Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Um, I'm going to offer what? 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 I'm going first. Pushy. You went first last time, or did I go first? I went first. It's your turn. Sozo. Sozo. No offence, Bart. Go on. Hurry up, because my story is really, is it me? Yes. Well, no, you do. If you're excited, go ahead and do it. I'm fine. I've got... All right. Have you heard this song? How does it make you feel? Oh, you know, boppy, party. Yep. What about maybe a little bit of this song? skirt is full, my waist is nipped in, I have lipstick on and a pointy bra. I know. And what about... There's another one. Oh, another song? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Baby, baby, I love it. Loving it. Makes you feel all nice and warm. Long like John Baldry? Love it? and heartbreak. Is that Long John Baldry? No, that no. was later. He did a version of song. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. What do all those three songs have in Coleman? I don't know what they have in common. I'll tell you. Chanel? The music producer behind all three of those songs is a murderer. Murder. Murder. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe? Get out of here. Well, I'll be butted on both sides. Cut me off and call me shorty. Such great music to get down to. Yeah, but murder. mad creative geniuses often I know. Are. Well, his name was Phil Spector, and he worked with the Ronettes, who we just heard. He produced oh, John Phil Lennon. Phil Spector? Yes. Yes. This is one of the best trials ever. Yes. The hair. Yes. The hair. People Google. Yeah. While we are listening to this podcast, Google him. Yeah, he's Now, in. he produced John Lennon's Imagine album, and he was the big producer of the time. People said he was a pop genius. But one night in 2003, it all went wrong. Now, it starts with a barman at a restaurant in Hollywood, and that restaurant is called Dan Tanner's. I've been to Dan Tanner's. How many chapters are there in this magazine of Hollywood murders? It's never going to end. <laughs> Georgia Comensoli gave me this whole – we're going back to her from a few episodes ago. She, look, she gave me this whole magazine of Hollywood true crime. Lovely. And it's so great, and there's oh, so many great stories the in there. Manson murders. Don't. I know. Too horrible. There's they so many great sad. stories in there. She has provided hours of fun. You know, I've got all the crime scene photos from the Manson. Why? They're just Ooh. awful. Well, Dan Tanner's is this Italian restaurant in Hollywood, and I actually went there on my own when I was in Did LA you? for work. Yeah, I went on my own. Hmm. Why? Mm. Oh, because I really wanted to go to that restaurant, and I was in LA on my own mm. for work. I thought, stuff this, I'm going to go out. But I never stayed anywhere too long because it's awkward. Yeah. But it's one of those, it's, an, it's a great restaurant recommended if you go to LA. It's, you know, quite small, Italian, red and white, checkered tablecloths and, mm. you know, candle in a 
Oh, Billy Joel. Wine bottle. Scenes from an Italian restaurant. Yeah, and I had an oh, amazing. I had the eggplant parmigiana there, and it was delicious. I don't get that. I think no, how, it is the gamish. only one I've had, and I I've sampled eggplant parmas around places, and it was the best one. It was really great, and then. I don't know, the waiter um, gave me a free drink. I felt awkward and I left. And so uh, starts with the barman at Dan Tanner's and he says um, Spectre came in with an attractive blonde, mm-hmm. not an unattractive blonde, an attractive blonde. Mm. And that wasn't really unusual given the kind of circles that Phil Spectre moved in. Starfuckers. But was <laughs> Well, let's yes. be honest. Um, but what was unusual was that Phil Spector always had a Diet Coke. Oh. For the last six months, he had always ordered a Diet Coke. Yes. I don't – can I just – sorry, yeah, side me. note. I don't know the difference between Diet Coke and Coke Zero, but I know that it makes people angry. Diet Coke makes people angry? Well, the, the, the difference. Mm, I, I'll like go got no a, sugar Coke. Is that another kind? Yeah, well, there's no sugar in it. Oh, see, I don't know this. And I, a friend who was getting really cross because they didn't have – Diet Coke, they only had mm, it's zero less caffeine or, the... or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Um, so he thought it was weird. He always had Diet Coke, and that night he ordered something sweet and really light. Oh, what? Kalura mm. milk or well, something? The what? barman made him a daiquiri. Oh. <laughs> mm. Went daiquiri on him. Mm, how so festive. he has the drink, and he uh, sipped on that drink for 90 minutes. Mm hmm. And then he... Who times someone when they're drinking? I know, weird. Did you see how fast I drank my tea before? I it know. It had cooled to that perfect temperature, glugged it down. So he has the drink and then the attractive blonde yes. and Phil Spector leave and mm-hmm. they are driven away in his chauffeur-driven car. Limousine. Right? He doesn't right. drive himself. So the woman, the blonde, who he was with was an actress and her name was Lana Clarkson. She wasn't well-known... I, she was kind of a has-been, hmm. I think, but she had been big in the 70s. So they leave the restaurant. It was about half past midnight, and not long after, Spectre's driver makes a 911 call. 911, what are you reporting? Hi, it's, uh, my name is Adriano. I think my boss killed somebody. Please, can, can you send me a... Uh, a you think a your guy? boss killed somebody? Yes, yeah. Because well, I'm a driver, I'm waiting outside, and I don't know what... Now, why do you believe he may have killed somebody? Because you you have a lady on the, on the floor and he has a gun on, the, on his hand. Okay, stay on the line. Do not hang okay. up. God. Right? What? Yeah. Wow. And how I need to also credit, that was from Dark Documentaries. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they made that, but it's from the Crime Channel, that documentary. Mm-hmm. They got that audio. But how's the, um, the, the 911 operator is doing nothing to stay calm? Your oh, boss has killed somebody? I was listening he's to just, He's not even like, okay, what can you see? Uh, is she breathing? Why do you think that? He's just straight to dead. He, but he's very – no, but he so, sounds so calm to me. Do you reckon? I thought he sounded well, – I, I listen to so many podcasts, but I'm trying to think which one it was that analysed. So they had looked at some research where – People make nine one one or emergency calls, yeah, and whether they're because you know they fake it, you know they've done the murder, oh, but then yeah, they go, sure. oh, 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 please come yes. quickly, my parents are dead. They said usually people they, are more systematic than that. They don't have manners. Mm. It's oh, please help me. They don't use any mm. nice language, and they use oh, what's the word called when they you know when it's when it's isn't instead of is not. They use short versions oh. of words. 
He um, is not breathing like a um, abbreviated word. But yeah, that's I not can't. The word. I can't yeah. help him or something. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the faker I would say, "I cannot do anything." That's right. I've <sighs> tried to help him breathe. You know, they yeah. make it a longer sentence. Okay. Yeah. Well, when police arrive, they find Lana Clarkson lying in a pool of blood, just as the driver Mm. had described. A gun is found at the castle. That's what his mansion was called, the castle. And Spectre was taken into custody. Now, it's important to note at this point that Spectre was known to have an obsession with guns. Mm -hmm. He owned several of them and he would match them to his outfits. Tiny dick. Don't you reckon? No, I was reckon when they're making up for inadequacies. Yeah, look. Yep. Oh, look what I could shoot because I've got no other yeah. shooting power He'd like anyway. brandish guns yeah. in front of artists and talent. And he was and he, a little man, wasn't he? He was a little man. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, a coroner's report on Lana found that she had been shot in the mouth oh. and had gun residue on both of her hands. Oh. What does that say to you? Well, it sounds like she handled the weapon. Mm. Now, Spectre pleaded not guilty and told the media that Clarkson had killed herself and he had nothing to do with it. He told Esquire that she had kissed the gun. He didn't even know her. He doesn't know where she got the gun and he had never seen her before that night. He said she was loud and drunk and that she had asked for a lift home and then asked to see the castle. Now, he claims she killed herself and he pretty much had no idea why. Gut feeling don't believe him. Mm. I can't remember how this played out. The only problem with his story was that Spectre Mm. also had gun residue on him and he had blood on him. Prosecutors said that she had turned down his advances and Uh he had become furious and shot her dead. There was also evidence that the gun had been used and wiped down. Now, it went to trial, and after the trial, the jury were deadlocked and the trial was aborted. Mm. Now, this doesn't happen in Australia. I don't, I don't know how often it happens over there, but after that trial, it was revealed that there was 12 jurors, 10 of them had voted guilty mm-hmm. and two not guilty, mm-hmm. which we don't find that out here. If there's a deadlocked jury, you don't oh, find don't we? No, it's never, ever revealed. Hmm. Um, but it, that prompted prosecutors to run a second trial. In that trial, they uh, changed up their tactics and they called several women who testified that Spectre had pulled guns on them. Oh, Yes, and they called it a game of Russian roulette with five women and the sixth was Lana Clarkson who got the bullet. Oh, no. Yeah, so he had done this kind of thing before. It took that second jury less than 30 minutes to return a guilty verdict. He was jailed for a minimum of 19 years and will be eligible for parole in 2028, Right now, he's in a mental health facility. Yeah, he looked startled throughout mm. the trial, which is probably because he had that Albert Einstein hair. He's got. Sort of uh, looks and... like he's got a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah, he's got that kind of face. Imagine how he looks in jail. I know. Oh, he's a horrid little man. Horrid. It's awful when you hear the music. Then it's like. Oh, I know. This will, oh, Think I about all those songs. Mention his name because they turn on you. But Michael Jackson, I just don't feel comfortable oh. listening to his music anymore. I know. Uh, I'm going Australian with this one. Australia. 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 Actually, this was – I played a little bit in a recent episode from 60 Minutes and I've forgotten the guy's name. Oh. It was one of the crims who was in jail before he died. Anyway, on that same story that Liz Hayes went and did in 2003, she also spoke to this guy. Uh, a man by the name of William MacDonald. So mm. it was just sort of stuck in my head from when we played that. that we must, I must come back to that story. Okay. Uh, William MacDonald 
was born in 1924 in Liverpool in England. In 1943, when he was 19, he enlisted in the army and he transferred to the Lancashire Fusiliers. One night, he says that he was raped in an air raid shelter by one of his corporals. And at first he felt traumatised, but he he later says he came to the conclusion that he actually had enjoyed the experience. He was discharged from the army in 47, so four years later, and was diagnosed as having schizophrenia. And he was committed for several months to a mental asylum. He was treated with electroconvulsive therapy. Have you seen that um, there's a movie and a book, and it's true, she'll be in your thing. Is Frances Farmer in there? I don't want to spoil it in case she is. I don't know. She may not be because I don't think there was a murder in the end. So she was an actress and she was committed, but I was never sure that she was. Phil Spector, there he is. Oh, God, he doesn't look well, does he? Um, You keep going. I'll have a look. Yeah, Frances Farmer. And, um, oh, what's her name? I adore her, that actress. I adore her. Oh, can you Google, please? Frances Farmer movie. And tell me the actress because her name won't come into my head and I love her. Jessica Lang, don't oh, worry. Okay. Is she in your book? No. No. There's a really good book called Will There Really Be a Morning? So she's committed to – she's a Hollywood girl Okay. in a couple of movies and then she's committed to an asylum and I've forgotten why they commit her. I must look back into that because if there's a dead body involved, well, I can do I it as one say, of our stories. Well, I to we need to do. Right. Me. But I think they give her that electroconvulsive therapy too. Okay, it's horrible. Uh, so William McDonald moves to Canada in 49 and then comes to live in Australia in 1955. Before long, though, in Australia, he's arrested and charged – for touching a detective's penis in a public toilet. <clears throat> I'm just going to say, well, if you were going to touch a penis in a toilet, don't yes. touch a detective's. No, but he wouldn't have known. The detective was obviously trying to catch people who touch penises. But, oh, <laughs> I thought he was touching a random person. Unless it was one of those <laughs> ones that come through a hole. Uh, no, I've seen it on the internet, Kirsten. That's what they do. Okay. Mm. Uh, He was placed on a two-year good behaviour bond. So he moves to Brisbane, 1960, made friends with a 55-year-old man named Amos Hurst Mm -hmm. outside the Roma Street railway station. They had a long drinking session together at one of the local pubs, went back to Hurst's apartment where they drank a bit more, and when Hurst was legless drunk, William MacDonald began to strangle him. And Hurst was so drunk, he didn't realise what was happening and he eventually began to haemorrhage. Blood was pouring out of his mouth and onto William MacDonald's hands. Mm. MacDonald then punched Hurst in the face, killing him. God, you'd have to whack someone really hard. Wouldn't you? Anyway, five days later, so someone must have found the body. Five days later, Hurst's name appeared in a newspaper obituary column and it said that he had died accidentally. Oh. So somehow William MacDonald had gotten away with it. That was 1960s. So obviously forensics weren't quite up to um, CSI standards. Mm-hmm. The next year, MacDonald moved to live in East Sydney and he became quite well known there in the parks and the public toilets, which at that stage probably still are, I don't know, were a meeting place for homosexual men. On June the 3rd, 1961, a man named Alfred Greenfield was sitting on a park bench in Green Park, just across the road from St Vincent's Hospital in Darlinghurst, and along came William MacDonald, who offered him a drink. Mm -hmm. And he said, come down to the Domain Baths and I'll get some more alcohol for you there. Once Greenfield fell asleep, MacDonald stabbed him 
about 30 times, oh, which is a little a... bit too much. Yeah. Once is probably plenty. Once can do it if you do it right. If you get the – would yeah. you go for the carotid? I used to think it was carotid. Carotoid. I don't know if the neck or thigh because there's a big artery. Oh, that big thigh. one there, yeah. You could do that one, but I don't know. You, is it true the one in the neck it. can like squirt 20 metres or something? I reckon, it, yeah. Oh, no, 20 is too much. Six metres. Mm. I reckon you've got to go neck probably. Hmm. I don't know. I don't like it when you talk about killing because I feel like. I know. And there are cops that I know that listen to this podcast, so they'll probably text me afterwards and tell me the best I way. I just worry about Nico. Why? Well, I don't know. I just feel like he must be on edge all the time. He never. He does not listen. So he doesn't even know. He doesn't know there will what be you're thinking. Thousands of witnesses out there that have listened to this, and Nicholas doesn't know. Well done, people. So Greenfield asleep. McDonald stabs him about thirty times. The first blow, oh, severed the arteries in his neck. There you mm. are. McDonald then pulled down Greenfield's trousers and underwear. Oh no! Severed his genitals and threw them into Sydney Harbour. His penis was found floating in <gasps> Woolloomooloo Bay. That answers a question. And Greenfield's mutilated body was found the next morning. Uh, nothing links him to that. He's gotten away with that Interesting that too. it floats. Yeah. But I think fatty tissue floats. <laughs> Kirst is mortified. <laughs> I thought it would sink. Well, guess it depends no, on the person. <laughs> yeah. Don't know. Like, and with it, like the testicles, like little flotation devices. You think seagulls would eat it? Can a perhaps a man? Do we have? It seems to be mostly females that listen to us. But I wonder if they can tell us. So when oh, when no. a man is floating in the bath, oh, do they float? Do they float? Do the? With, I don't know. That is a very can we not good dwell on it because I feel like we're already penisy enough. Nico you know, wears speedos in the bath. Well, we don't have a bath, but swimming, he wears Speedos. That's all right. I, don't, I like them. They look sporty. I just feel like in Speedos, they wouldn't float. William Mac- No, it's holding them down. They're tethered. Yes. William McDonald's next victim was 55-year-old William Cobbin. I would hate to have a part of me that's just sort of dangling loose. As a female, you cannot comprehend it. No. It would be so disturbing. And it's got a mind of its own. just does whatever it wants. Ask any teenage boy. The poor things. I feel so... Well... It's just an uncomfortable situation to be in. Yeah, and the whole temperature thing. I could, mm. the, it would be affected oh, in by outside elements. Horrid. Um, 55-year-old William Cobbin, so he met William MacDonald while walking down South Darling Street. MacDonald lured him to Moore Park, drank beer with him in the public toilet because mm-hmm. that's where most people like to have a drink in the public loo. It's like when girls, you see girls taking drinks into the women's, like at a bar. Could girls yeah, go in there tummy. with their to- with their drink in the toilet? Oh, no, don't take it. No, yeah, I don't know. need you a drink toilet in the toilet. In it. Uh, just before this attack, McDonald put on a plastic raincoat. Mm-hmm. Cobbin was sitting on the toilet seat when McDonald plunged a knife from below up into his neck. Oh. So upwards, like a rabbit punch, Ooh. up through the neck. So it severed his jugular. Yeah. So aforementioned blood that goes everywhere splurted all over McDonald's arms, Ooh. his face, his yep. plastic raincoat. Cobbin apparently tried to fight back. He tried to defend himself, but McDonald kept on stabbing him. So by all accounts, this toilet cubicle absolutely covered in blood. He's wearing his raincoat, so yep. good for him. Uh, he then cut off Cobbin's genitals, put them into a plastic bag with his knife and left. So he's taking trophies. On the way home, he washed the blood off his hands and face. He must have gotten rid of the thing, the raincoat by then. We would call him the prized penile predator. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, we were talking about media names. Yes, I'm trying not to laugh at you. <laughs> On the 31st of March, 1962, a few days after I was born, mm. in a long time ago, in Darlinghurst, a 36-year-old man named Frank McLean had been drinking at the Oxford Hotel in Darlinghurst. Exactly. As soon as there's a drink, McDonald, um, so he left the uh, hotel. McDonald mm. followed him down Sydney's Burke Street, past the local police station. They don't know. They don't know to come running out. Uh, they got chatting. McDonald suggested that they have a drinking session around the corner. So they went round into Burke Lane. I, at this point, think drinking session might be a euphemism for something else. Yep. Because why would you go into a laneway? Um, as they got into Burke Lane, McDonald stabbed McLean in the throat. He tried to fight back, but he was too drunk. McDonald stabbed him again in the face and punched him. Oh. So McLean staggered backwards, and as he fell to the ground, a family was walking <gasps> past. Um, it was a man with his wife and a baby, and the baby cried. So McDonald turns around to him, sure. see what that is. So he hid. And the victim, McLean, is still breathing at this point but bleeding very heavily. The family um, go to call the police just yeah. up the road. As soon as they left, though, McDonald comes out of wherever he's hiding, pulls McLean further into the lane no. and stabbed him again, yes, a total of six times. He then pulls down McLean's trousers, slices off his penis, puts it into a plastic bag. The Sydney Morning Herald reported the attack the next day and said that McLean crumpled up and died in the gutter just 200 yards oh. from the Darlinghurst police station. McDonald took the penis home, but he reckons he threw it out the next day. And by now, the media were reporting this as the mutilation murder. And they were saying that this was the third. Mine was better. What was yours? The prized penile predator. Murder. <laughs> Around this time, he starts to use a fake name, calling himself Alan Edward Brennan, and he got a job at the post office in Sydney or a post office in Sydney as a letter sorter, okay. but he was sacked. I'm not sure why, probably because he's weird. Yep. And he bought himself a mixed business store in Concord. Like a milk bar. Yes. Mm. Uh, he was selling sandwiches and small goods. Please don't let them have sausages. No, don't let them have anything. Don't eat the sausages from yeah. there. And he lived above the store for a short time. Now, on Saturday, the 6th of June, 1962, he went to a wine saloon in Pitt Street in Sydney, met 42-year-old James Hackett, who had just gotten out of jail. He'd been in there for thieving. And he went back to McDonald's place. They drank some more. Hackett fell asleep on the floor. And William McDonald got out a boning knife that he used in his deli and he stabbed Hackett in the neck so hard that the knife went straight through. Hackett woke up oh while no. this was happening, tried to shield himself and he pushed the knife back into and it got William McDonald in the hand and cut yep. his hand really badly. Um, when that happened, McDonald just went berserk and he started plunging the knife into Hackett's mm. heart, killed him instantly and then continued to stab him until he stopped breathing. Hackett's blood was all over the walls and the floor. This is the place he's living in. And the knife had been blunted. He'd stabbed him so many times. So he wasn't, because the knife was blunt, he wasn't able to cut off Hackett's penis. Instead, he just he was so exhausted after the attack, he fell asleep next oh. to the dead body. So when he woke the next morning, he found himself next to this body, sticky, drying blood everywhere, and had soaked through the floorboards. Oh, no, yeah, it does. And apparently had dripped down yes. onto the counter in the shop below. Yes. Mm. Blood, I read this somewhere that that, yeah, 
absolutely happens. Oh. Uh, he cleaned himself up. He went to a hospital to have the wound on his hand stitched up and he told the doctor he'd cut himself in his shop. He went back, cleaned up the blood and then dragged that corpse underneath the shop. Now, he knew that the police would be looking for Hackett, so he disappeared up to Brisbane. Three weeks later, the neighbours noticed a terrible smell coming from the shop and they called the health department. They might have thought it was just mm. a bit of ham or something had gone off. But the police came in and on the 20th of November 1962, they found the rotting corpse. It was too badly decomposed to be identified. So police didn't connect it to the three mutilator killings mm-hmm. or the pe- the other ones, the prize one. penal That's predator. Uh, because the penis hadn't been cut off. So oh, they didn't link it as being the same. MO. Uh, they did an autopsy. They found out it was a, someone in their 40s. They knew that the owner of the shop was missing because oh. William McDonald had gone up to so Brisbane. They think it was him. They thought it was him. So they've gone, oh, well, that's obviously the owner of the shop. We don't know what's happened. Something terrible. There we are. And they put a death notice in the paper, RIP Alan Edward Brennan, because he was using a fake name at that stage. Did he see it? I don't know if he did, but... Remember he'd worked at the post office for a little yeah. bit before he was at Well, the workmates there, they saw the death notice oh. for this Brennan guy who they'd worked yeah. with and they went to his memorial service, which was held by a local funeral director. So William McDonald is in Brisbane now. He goes to New Zealand. Hello to all our listeners in New Zealand. Hello. You're terrific. We love you. And then he goes back to Sydney don't know why, and he bumps into one of the people that he worked with at the post office. And they're like, you ain't who, dead. And there was a story written at this time, something about, you know, the man who saw the walking ghost, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Yeah, and the, and the colleague says, but I thought you were dead. And McDonald's, who realises he's in a bit of trouble at this point, says, leave me alone. He then runs away to Melbourne. Okay. But this guy, the former workmate, John McCarthy, goes straight to the cops. And at first they said, you're drunk, mate, go home. Yeah. Literally. They, t- they didn't drunk. believe him. Hmm. Uh, they said, go home, sleep it off. They told him he was crazy, but he went back again the next day. Yeah. Said, I'm sober. I'm not here. I'm telling you again and tried to explain what happened. They still didn't believe him. So he then went to the Daily Mirror newspaper, spoke to a crime reporter there by the name of Joe Morris. Yeah. Um, spoke to uh, this man who was supposed to be dead and Morris believed him. And wrote the story, The Case of the Walking Corpse. Oh, my gosh. That then forced police to do something about it. They exhumed the corpse that they'd found rotting underneath the shop and checked the fingerprints and they were matched to... Old mate. Hang on. Fingerprints were matched to James Hackett. Not hang on a minute. You've ruined this. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. No, no. They matched... James Hackett, yes. who he killed. Yes, yeah, got who was the, the real there. dead body. Yeah, Yes, and not this supposed Brennan who yeah. McDonald had been calling himself when he ran the shop. Okay, they also noticed that the body had several stab wounds. Funny how they didn't notice those first time around. And that the penis and testicles had, in fact, been sort of hacked at, but he wasn't right. able to cut them off. So then they went, oh, perhaps this is the work of the mutilator. A bit slow on the uptake. Mm. They got this former employee from the um, post office to do an identikit picture of William McDonald. It was circulated to every newspaper in the country. By now, McDonald was working at Melbourne's Spencer Street Railway Station, which we are looking down on as we, we are. record this podcast. 
Uh, and he was using another name now, David Allen. He dyed his hair, he'd grown a moustache, but people still recognised him as the man in the identikit picture. So the uh, when he came to collect his pay, the cops were there waiting for him. You're nicked, mate. Uh, just a quick side note, that was the first ever successful use of a police identikit picture. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. I had to make one once. <laughs> So when I lived in Camberwell and it had been a heat wave and then the cool change came, what? No, it's not a murder. It's not a dead body. I was going to get so mad at you if this was a murder that we didn't know about. No, but it's a good story. Um, so uh, cool change came, Episode opened all the windows. I was living on a really busy road. Everyone. Yep. Do you want me to tell it or not? Yep. So a I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a young mum, young husband, and little Bonnie, our baby, was about... I don't know, Little. Like 12 months old. And um, so we'd open all the windows and the front door. And I lived on Riversdale Road in Campbell. It's quite a busy road, mm-hmm. but we wanted the front door open so that all the fresh air could come through. And it was bath time. It was around about 6 o'clock uh, early evening. And Kieran and I were both in the bathroom because when babies are little, it's like you just watch everything. Oh, look, let's watch her having a bath again. It's so cute. Yeah. And so we were in there watching her be bathed and I said, I'm going to go and get whatever I'm going to go and get, towels or something, walk out into the middle of my home and there's this woman standing there looking at me and not a nice lady, but a like crazed, skinny, haunted eyes. I know. And for some reason, I don't want it's a terrible reaction. I'm thinking, how can I pretend that I'm here on my own oh, and that you want there's not a baby in, a, in, in the house? Yes. Because I just didn't want it to go any further. Sure. Um, Smart and any lion parent will mother. tell you. Yep, lion mother came out. Yeah, and I used some bad language. I used oh. a bit of, and I was actually I looked was to there my a right. C word? I didn't use a c word. Oh. No, I think I just said get the fuck out of my house. Mm. I might have asked her, "What are you doing here?" But I don't think I did. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just say get the fuck out. And she was smaller than me, and I, okay. I'm reasonably tall, and so I looked down on her. I just remember looking to the side and thinking because I knew there was a silver candlestick, like a, a yep. genuine one, and yep. looking to the side and thinking. I could use that. Or, well, no, I was thinking, has she oh. stolen it? Oh, my brain went weapon. <laughs> Your brain went my things. Yeah, exactly. Well, I had it in the right order, my baby, my husband, my silver candlestick. <laughs> so... She, I think, started to try and, like, tell a story, but then she went backwards. But it, there was enough of face-to-face okay. that I was able to get a good look at her. She went out the door and I followed her out and I'm yeah. still yelling at her. I jumped into, there was a guy sitting in a car that oh, was idling out the front. That's Little scary. red car. Yeah. Yep. She goes, jumps in the car, they go around the corner. So I run down my steps really fast too, yep. look around the corner and was able to get the red of the car. Great. Called the cops and they. This is still a story that we should not only just be hearing it about. I know there's no one dead, but it's like we are so far down. You're but they just don't, telling us. Yeah, but I compartmentalize. I don't, I, okay. When it's a bad thing, I don't want to remember. Okay. I just tuck it away. Everyone would do this. That Everyone would. The purpose Search your podcast. brain. I'm sure you've all got something like this. Um, so the cops rang back and said, just to confirm that that car was stolen, but I don't think they ever found them. But they're, they're obviously just druggies looking for yeah. stuff, you know. And uh, cheap um, stuff to We shouldn't off. have left the front door open. Well, it's also true. But I had to go down. Oh, the, yeah, no, the best part was I had to go down to St Kilda Road Police Station yeah. and look through all the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you done that at the suspects? No, I've never done it. Oh, my God. Of all the you creams. Can, you have to look through all the photos and yeah. it's page after page. Yeah, Did you, and you didn't see it, Of obviously. the most depraved, yeah. awful-looking, yeah. rotten... Wrecked, but with no makeup beings. on and my hair in a high bun, I'm a 
social heroin addict. My hundred percent. This is you're sitting opposite me with not a. I've actually I've thought to myself before, no makeup on. And no, you're I've said immaculate. it before. My phone does not recognize my face sometimes. <laughs> like in the morning, it's like face not recognized. I'm like unlock, please, face not recognized. Yeah, but you're probably on the side. No. Um, yeah, so I had to look through all the books and see if her face was there. I'd, every cream in the world was in there. God, there's some wow. horrible looking people in the world. I want to see. It's those like that books. series that they did. Do you ever see the one with the girl who is on meth yeah. over the years? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I like that. that. They all look like that. Couldn't see her face, no, so then I had to go and sit with the identikit. What? Oh, sons, sons. I just oh, feel bad. They've all got fun. parents. They're all people. I feel oh, bad. Anyway, yeah, don't know well, why I started singing. You're the voice. They're not looking after themselves. I, can I tell know. You. They're all. They all belong to someone. Uh, so they have. They caught him. Yeah, they caught him at the at the station. Confessed to the killings. Uh, he claimed that because he'd been raped when he was a teenager, mm. he was inflicting his revenge on victims. Random chosen at people. random. He said he heard voices in his head that told him that his victims were the corporal who raped him when he was a teenager. Mm. He was charged with four counts of murder. 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 <laughs> not murder. Committed for trial on the 15th of August 1963. He pleaded not guilty on the grounds of insanity. Uh, in the court, he spoke in great detail about what he did to his victims. So Where I did think he go in, in Melbourne? Sydney. Oh, Sydney. Uh, oh, no, actually, no, I think it might have been here in hmm. Melbourne. Okay. apologise, anyway, I don't have that detail. Side note, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, in the court, loved talking about what he'd done to his victims. Oh, and the okay. fact that he took trophies, I think he just glor- He just hmm. wallowed and, and reveled yeah. in the whole business. Um, some of the jurors fainted and had to be taken out of the court. It was so gross. Yeah. He was found guilty. Uh, Mr. Justice McLennan said that this was the most barbaric case of murder and total disregard for human life that had come before him in many years on the bench. McDonald showed no signs of remorse and he actually said himself that if he was free, he would go on killing. Yes. He got five consecutive life sentences with the strong recommendation that he never be released. In jail, he was certified insane. He was transferred to a secure mental hospital where he became... Oh, no, it must have happened in New South Wales. He became the longest continuous serving inmate in the New South Wales prison system. Okay. Yep. And then after 50, and I'm ready for you to editorialise on this, after 52 years behind bars, McDonald died of natural causes in jail uh, in 2015 at the age of 90. 90's a good innings, but belonging in the Satan bin. Thank you. I was expecting something like that. Or a, yeah. And rightly so. And rightly so. Just 90 is still like a really, it's a great, it's a long life to live for someone who is such an ass. Yeah. Um, if you've seen a dead body, we'd love to hear from you. Please go on our Facebook page and send us messages and email us your dead body stories if you've seen one. G- uh, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.